Hi, I'm Joel. And I'm Kishan. And this is Tea for Two. This is our BFF podcast where we talk about anything from science to popular culture, the arts, and life in Singapore. Hi everyone, it's me, Joel, a playwright and performer. And it's me, Kishan, a science educator. Um, welcome back to Tball 2. It is Yay! our best friend podcast where we talk about whatever the fruit, fruit we want. Fruit. fruit. Look at us, two fruits. Talking about fruit. Can you please don't use homophobic language on yourself? Actually, where did the word fruit come? Uh, how did the word fruit come to mean gay people? Uh, I don't know lah. Maybe because if it's You're a bit very fruity, uh, maybe it's a bit colorful. Maybe, mm, maybe a bit sticky. Oh, I'd rather be a fruit than bland. Ah, uh, correct. Then I'd rather be a fruit than porridge. Co- you know, <laughs> is that the opposite of fruit? Yeah, I would think so. Is it opposite porridge? of fruit. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> the opposite of fruit is porridge. That is the dialectical relationship. <laughs> what is your favorite fruit, Joe? <laughs> mm, melon. Melon. The melon. What kind of melon? Uh, rock melon. Oh, rock I also melon. really like a good sweet rock melon. I love it mm. when they boil it up. Yeah, and then, and then, you then put it's it like they put a bit frozen. Oh, right? girl. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, my mm. mouth is watering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite fruit? Mine, hands down, hands down, a mm. good sweet mango. Mm. I can eat until like nosebleed eh, because and it's very fact, you will. It's very, <laughs> it's very yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, this is a throwback to hitty or cooling. cooling. Mango is. <laughs> Hitty, hundred percent. Actually, my favorite mango of all time is the Alfonso mango, which oh, is only oh in season once a year, and it is like custard. Yeah. It's oh, so good. Oh my god, and my mind, I'm salivating. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear listeners, sorry, it's been so long since our last episode. It has it's been. It's been a little minute, it hasn't has it? Has been a minute. Yeah. Why, oh, Akisha? Have you been very busy? Uh, I mean, y'all know my life story. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> don't need to say. Don't need to say. I have been insanely busy, I've, oh. and I, I do this thing where if I'm busy, right, I just don't talk to anybody. Mm. I like on our chats or whatever. I just mm. don't. Don't you disappear I disappear yeah. And then I need to do things And then I'll come back Yeah I had to I almost reported you missing the other day uh, Cry on Cry on How have you been sis? Uh, stress and busy uh. Stress and yeah, busy stre- well, I don't uh. even know with what eh. uh-huh. like, Most days right I'm just spending most of my time Avoiding the things I have to do You know what? Yeah I get it Yeah but it's yeah. very bad It's bad, very bad. Sure, Yeah sure. and now it's the Singapore Writers Festival Shout out Hi. Singapore Writers Festival yes. Curated by our dear friend Pooja Nancy Who well is the done. festival director Yes sis Yeah Yay. so I've, I've got I'm on a couple of panels Yes, yes, And that's yes. been quite stressful I can imagine Yeah, because yeah. they're all very high profile And then like these big name writers Coming to town Oh my yeah, god Yeah, like I, I, I interviewed Gia Tolentino The author Amazing. of Trick Mirror And yeah. avid listeners of the podcast Will know that, I have that I'm like basically worship that book You, and, yeah. you have totally like Sold the book so yeah. many times On this podcast Correct. I have totally proselytized you- That book <laughs> And then this weekend, I am on a panel with Jeanette Winterson. Oh my oh, god, sis. Stress, stress and not. Stress. Sunday. Uh. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah. anyway, uh, it's um, housekeeping bell, dear oh, listeping bell. Is it the housekeeping, uh, housekeeping bell? bell housekeeping I can't bell. tell. They all sound the same. Yeah, housekeeping, <laughs> housekeeping. So um, it's come to our attention yes. that on Spotify, mm. there is this thing you can do, right? Where you can rate our podcast oh my out god. of five stars. Out of five stars. Yeah, so like, I think we've got some ratings. No, we, we not, not have some. I think we have a quite, quite a Yeah, but quite we can have number. more. We can definitely have more. So more. far, so far, mm. girl, you know what's the average? What? For our podcast? Yes. Five. Five. <laughs> we are a five star podcast, like the Hainanese huh? chicken rice. Like the. Yeah. <laughs> so we want, like, if all of you actually go on mass and yeah. rate our podcast on very mass. highly, right? I, yeah. Apparently, it helps with distribution. Does it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are they distributing to? The world. Oh, the world. Yeah. Wow. Well, then we can get more listeners. So we want to yeah. we want to really go inflict this on the... Uh, on inflict this on more people. Entire planet. La. Hey, we put so much work into making it. We really Surely, do. we want more people to listen, right? I'm not sure if that tracks. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, please, like, if you have some time, you know, go and, like, uh, check out Spotify's rating and mm. give our podcast um, a rating that you deem fit, lah, huh? Mm. Mm. We won't five. tell you, uh, five is good. Five. You know, five is good. Four is, like, uh, occasionally good. Three is mediocre. <laughs> Two is, like, uh, like don't waste your time. Uh, uh, one is ear bleed. One is ear Actually, bleeding. ours is a bit ear bleed. Eh. It's a bit ear bleed, uh, la. bleed yeah. Cannot lah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, what else? <laughs> ah, there's some other housekeeping. So, um, oh my God, yeah, this, this one's very exciting. Wow, very, very special. So, so on the 19th of November, mm-hmm. which is coming soon, coming soon, girls. Uh, there's a new queer party in town. Yeah. It is called Intervention. Intervention. And it is on at the Picture House Cafe. Yeah. From 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Oh my God. And I am shouting this out because I am gonna be one of the DJs. Yeah. We're gonna party, party, party. Till our panties fall yeah. <laughs> yeah please please don't Not with that like 2000s callback <laughs> So a couple of friends and I Have decided to throw Like to organise a party Amazing Yeah I mean I'm not really organising it But I'm one of like um, A DJ collective called St. John's Brigade <laughs> I'll tell you the story another time. But we are called St. John's Brigade and we are spinning the opening set from 10, a- 10 p.m. to 12 midnight. And Wonderful. Then, and then two other amazing DJs will take over. But if you want to have like a sexy time yeah. with your queer pals, mm. come down and dance the night away with us. Yes. Mm. Again, it's at the Projector Picture House. Mm. Oh my God. So Tickets exciting. are very cheap. Tickets is are it? very cheap. Yeah. So cheap? Mm, we will shout. We will post about it on our Instagram. Why And then not, you can sis? go to my personal Instagram if you want. It's yeah, also there. It's also there. Wow. Mm. Bad, are you? Yeah, leveling up, man. You learn new skills, yeah, DJ. Yeah, hey, I, hey, I recently went for a five-day DJ course. Where Pongo CC, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, skills future, skills future. <laughs> yeah, hey, really, like I level. I feel like I feel like I really feel like. Uh, no, it's amazing, girl. Yeah, skills future, yeah. Like, but I you've mean, always been very technological, so this no, it's comes not about technological. I'm bored, girl. I'm bored. Okay, uh, but you got the te- technology mind, lah. Yeah, mm, restless mind. Very good. Restless, restless. Wow. Mm. I'm very proud of you, girl. Mm. Well what about done. you? Uh, do you have any new skills that you've learned recently? Uh I've learned to sleep like that very fast. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, very fast. Like literally, like hit anywhere. Boom. How sleep. does one learn to do Yesterday that? Yesterday I slept on no, like last week I think I slept on an auntie. <laughs> Okay, let's backtrack a bit. <laughs> in ha- the train. Oh, okay. As in, like, you fell asleep on her. I on okay. her and I made myself comfortable. I, w- I woke up, like, after a stop. It was very embarrassing. Did you all make friends, swap numbers? No. Did I you add, it, add her on Insta? I think she really wanted me to get up. But oh, <laughs> no. Know what to do. I felt so embarrassed. This one is not new skill, uh, girl. I think it's new depths of exhaustion. <laughs> I don't know how to break it to you. <laughs> Alright, it's time for our first segment of the day Are you home, Shirley? It's the segment in which we Shirley. discuss an aspect of life Shirley. in Singapore That either fascinates or horrifies us oh very often both. both Oh my gosh And which is it today, Kishan? Oh, Fascinate no. or horrify? To be honest, it's a little bit of both yes. that, sis. <laughs> Depends on, uh, on where you are on any given yeah, day Yeah, correct it? Which mm. side of the bit you wake up on? Correct. Uh, <laughs> really, uh, really And what are we discussing today, Kishan? Today we are discussing Straight man. Oh my god. Oh my god. Bro, 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 what's up, bro? What's up, bro? Yo, man. I can't stand it. Why do they not speak in words? It's nasty. I know, right? This expressive masculinity is yeah. so hyper expressive. I can't yeah, stand it. I love that. Like, I think as queer men, right, we are like almost uniquely qualified to impersonate straight men. 
because you know, we are straight men. men don't see themselves <laughs> until someone does. You know, in that way, like sure. you, you don't see yourself until someone does until it. Until someone does it to you. on stage, they go like, eh, yeah. alama, that yeah. one hits quite close to home. Yeah, ah. it's like, eh, eh, <laughs> why is he like me? Oh, ah? uh, uh, eh, alama. Why he? Then you go back ah. and introspect. Then you introspect and say, am I, have I been an asshole all my life? Am I the problem? Am I the problem? <laughs> <laughs> am I the drama? <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> So girl, why are we talking about straight men? I will relay this to you in a parable. Wow. Mm. One day. I feel like I'm in church, eh? <laughs> Where there are a lot of straight men. <gasps> yeah, in fact, there are only straight men. <laughs> actually, actually, you don't know. Because church got gay men, man. Eh? Ah. Mm. Mm. That's something Ponder to think that. about. That's a bit of a chin scratcher, isn't it? <laughs> it's a primary six math exam question. <gasps> How Not many, many gays are there? <laughs> It's a PSLE question. Uh. I will relay the reason we're talking to straight men um, in a parable. Please. One day, a balmy Sunday afternoon, there are two fish swimming in the ocean. Mm. Suddenly, fish A turns to fish B and goes, Wow, the water is lovely today, isn't it? Mm. Fish Ooh. B turns to fish A with a confused look on his face and goes, What is water? Oh my god. And in this way, I feel like straight men are like the water and we are the fish. They're all around us. All around us. You know, us. their needs and desires and their preoccupations construct Correct. the world around us. Yeah, we don't notice them. And yeah, we don't notice them until, until one day. When, uh, you open your eyes, big, big. Correct. Which is interesting because fish got no eyelids. <laughs> you, <laughs> you open your eyes, big, big, and then suddenly you feel, eh? eh? Why so wet? Uh? Why so wet? Why so eh? wet? Uh? Eh, my brain one. Eh, why am I a bit sweaty? Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's straight men are the kind of like it's the straight men are a kind of very unique subspecies unto themselves, aren't they? It's like you don't really notice them until you like you elect to pay attention to them, and suddenly there's a lot to talk about. Correct, correct, yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes they, they they really perform on like on on, sta- on on places like like reality TV yeah, shows, yeah, for yeah. example. Oh then you really see it. They go like, I think I don't know. My, my my favorite part about straight men is just like a total lack of self-consciousness about how they come across. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, which is why it's so fun to see parodies of them because like, you rarely see that and then when you do, it's like, oh, actually, yeah, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. They all behave in this mm. way, like, they, they own the space so quickly Correct. and they, they, they feel like, oh, yeah. And mm. they, they're not even aware of it. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's it's quite a gift that I would say to just like, envious, to huh? just like, move through the world with the confidence and entitlement and like, power of a straight man. We don't have like. No, as Chris, we really don't. No, right? yeah, we apologize for everything. No, exactly. Right. Yeah, I scared. I scared that whether I'm speaking too high pitch, mm. what kind of color cloth I wear today, mm. my legs cross or not, mm. am I gesticulating too much? You probably are, lah. <laughs> ah, then you laugh like that. You laugh like that. You better police the way you Confirm. laugh. You better check. <laughs> 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 let me cleanse. Let me cleanse the air. Yeah. Would you say like there's a kind of specific flavor to straight men in Singapore? Blend. <laughs> I, I don't think of flavor. I think it's very. I don't know because I'm a queer person. I'm looking at it from this side. I think it's very boring. Right. The way they live their lives because everything is set out in stone. They're supposed to do checkpoint A, checkpoint B, get mm. married, go find girlfriend lah, get married lah, this lah, that. So it's very yeah, boring. I think okay la, To play devil's advocate, right? Please, you know, sis. Like to play devil's advocate for the street man. Like they got a lot on their shoulders, lah. Oh my. Law on those heavy sh- like on those like uh, poor what? sagging shoulders to what lift do up. they have on their shoulders what? please they tell have me. to be leader of the household la, drivers of the economy la, our political and religious leaders la, please. you know they are all you know like they are meant to hold up the entire society while very difficult you know Kishan queer people are fighting to have all of that okay yeah, exactly. so very very difficult mm, correct, <laughs> it's very it's very difficult to be a straight person for me it's not so much that straight men are bland as it is that they are like there's this kind of very sien, uninspired energy about them. Mm. Yeah, because like, oh, on one hand, it's A, because like they don't have to work very hard to 
you know, they don't have to work very hard to get much in life because it's all yeah. laid out for them, right? I guess. I think yeah. as a result, I think that translates into a kind of aesthetic <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of like hard to watch. It's like, <laughs> you know, for the longest time, I mean, now things are changing, I would say. For the longest mm. time, Singaporean men did not put any effort into their presentation, into the way they look, into cultivating anything even remotely interesting about themselves. Because they right? can only look in one, they can only look one way, what? Ah, must, correct, must correct. look like that. That's it. And I, can, I, I think like, Collectively, right, the lot of straight men has been improved by the work of women. So it's like I have so <laughs> many straight couple friends, right, where like it's very clear that the man like has been worked on by the woman. Oh my god! You know, she, you can tell. Oh, that man has been dressed by his. It's girlfriend. a project. Yeah, like, it's a project because yeah. because like if the woman doesn't do it, who's gonna do it? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Like, because they're definitely not gonna do it on their yeah. own. Hey, nowadays like straight men are, I begin to dress a bit differently already. Correct. Yeah. All very stylish. Very one. stylish already. Yeah. All, all, all yeah. very like over oversized Muji clothing. Mm. <laughs> No, yeah, not Muji. Not Uniqlo. Uniqlo. Ah. Yeah, okay, I think they, got same same. So la. I think like Uniqlo has single-handedly kind yeah. of changed the game for Singaporean straight men because Correct. now like they wear basic clothes only, right? Like at least like there's a bit of like um. At least it looks neat, nice, yeah, presentable. Neat, uh, maybe even a bit edgy sometimes. Maybe you know? sometimes yeah. got one splash of pattern. Yeah. In the <laughs> no, the only thing I would say about it is that it's become a kind of uniform now, and uh, everybody yeah, has the same. They're wearing the same silhouette. They say wearing the same like oversized t-shirt. But better than before, lah. Correct. correct, huh? correct at least, at least they look. At least they look a little yeah, bit yeah. more presentable. And I think here we just need to hold space and applaud like the collective labor of straight women. <laughs> <laughs> in lifting the lot. Yeah. The lifting the lot of Thank the straight you. Men. Thank you for your service. Thank, Thank you. you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like as queer men relating to straight men is a very specific dynamic, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, I don't know. Growing up, I always wanted to move away from straight people, but it was very difficult. Like because they were everywhere, right? And right. then you were trying to you were trying to not show that you were gay, so you tried to fit in, but it was always a bit itchy and difficult and the, 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 the language that they use, they use the, the things that they want to do oh my god the things that we had to do in primary school play sports football play sports yeah oh the number of times I had to play football and hated it yeah oh good lord no that's because of like the kind of like cultural assumptions about what masculinity looks like yeah right? and, 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 and how to- and yeah and how it's primarily held and like um, disseminated by straight men. Yeah. And policed by straight men. Correct. For other straight men. Yeah, and you, yeah. you have to be seen to do it. Yeah. You know, if not, like, hey, something is wrong with yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, com- the the kind of like baseline assumption that all men are straight, right? And yeah. therefore, all men should have, should, 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 Play should perform a certain kind of masculinity. <laughs> exactly. And then as a queer, obviously, we were just like. I'm not interested. If we, were t- if we found that totally abhorrent. I wanted right? to read books. Yeah. <laughs> Like when I remember like like my school is a big soccer school, right? So oh, like yeah? every PE lesson they just forced us to play soccer. And then like the way I found all the other gay boys was like we were all kind of clumped in one corner and like we would we would always volunteer to be defender or goalkeeper. Because oh my the, God. Yeah, you were always defender. <laughs> because the boys were so bad at playing soccer, right? The ball would yes. never come would, would never come close to the goalpost. So we just oh. stand there and just gossip about everybody. Oh my yeah. god, I used would to do, do that, that too? too. It was yeah. so fun. It was yeah. it was really fun. And actually what I wanted to do was I want to, I always looked at the girls and they were playing netball. I go mm. like that looks fun. <laughs> actually wanted to yeah. play netball. No, I was preoccupied with the library. I wanted to be a librarian. I the was gardening a li- club. I uh, was in both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, t- tell me you were gay without telling me you were gay. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right. Like, I, so I think for the longest time, like I felt like I wanted to like you sequester myself from straight men specifically yeah. because like I found their presence, you know, so so difficult to difficult be around, to be around nah. because it's you know I, I I found myself watching like you said the way I perform. Do you yeah. ever do the thing where you code switch when you, you still today? Do you still do that thing where you code still switch around today? And, and this happens very much in grab rides. Like <laughs> suddenly you you sit in a grab and then it's a it's an upping right, yeah. oh. and then you immediately I, I I do this 
without even thinking immediately my voice goes down a little bit lower yeah. and i sometimes i sometimes say things maybe i not i sometimes say the word bro, bro? I, yeah! <laughs> you say bro yes and sometimes and i hate myself for it but it just comes out you know what i say sometimes that i catch myself saying what man <laughs> like thanks man thanks man <laughs> i cannot <laughs> No, but like this code switching is very strange to me because like I'm so comfortably queer in my it's, own skin. It's defense mechanism. Well, it defense against what though? But because we were, we were growing up, we were thought like this was wrong. This was p- potentially dangerous. It was it was protect- to be to be a bit fruity. To be a bit fruity. <laughs> To be a bit fruity, fruity Correct It may not be On the threat of violence In Singapore But yeah. you know It's to protect yourself Emotionally la, And from like yeah, any, yeah. Sort of, any sort of mental scarring. No because like the, the kind of like um, Policing of masculinity Doesn't always have to be Violent in a physical sense No right? it's, it's comes It comes in the form of teasing There are different sorts of violence yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was definitely teased a lot As a kid for being a feminine yeah. For being a bit of a mummy's boy Oh yeah For liking soft gentle things Like teddy bears Really? Yeah that was me wow. I mean could, can you tell? <laughs> No, I just find it strange that even now, yeah, and especially in Singapore, where like generally you get this sense that you're not, you know, threatened in that way, mm. where where you know generally straight men are like you know they're 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 they, they can be they can be assholes and they can be very mask and masculine, but they're not you know because the the law and order is so strict here, you you, yeah. you you don't get the sense that you're gonna get like no you know punched, punched or whatever. Or whatever. So yeah, it's exactly. like it's like I'm very curious about why. I, I even have this reflex action. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's just something that we... It's just ingrained in us. We, and I think we have to learn not to do at mm. some point. And, and slowly, la, mm. slowly bits and pieces. I, I mean, that's how we were when we were younger. Now, mm. older, there are more um, opportunities, I guess, or more chances that we need to interact with straight men. And you kind of do it, I guess, maybe on a professional level. Well, that's I, the first stepping stone, yeah. you know, to getting comfortable yeah, with it. I wonder if actually what it is, is that people don't take you seriously if you're a bit fruity. That's do you ever think about that? Right, and this has been told to me before. Okay, wow, I went. Really? I actually, I interviewed for this residency position once at a university, right? Where I was interviewing to be a writer in residence, right? And then like I wore a really nice, colorful shirt, and I was there, and I was, and I didn't get a job. And then when I asked like one of the panelists after, like, oh, what, you know, can you give me some advice on what I could do better? They were like, yeah, there was just something about your turnout that suggested that you weren't like particularly serious. What? Yeah, and then like I I I I accepted. Turn yeah. you mean what? The, the way I like presented. Yes, yeah, like you know, it's like yeah, you know, you dress really well. Like, this was literally said to me. You dress really well, and I guess like there's a certain assumption about the way people who you know who who that is you, who dress like you, yeah that suggests that you're maybe not super serious. And then I was like, what the fuck? I mean, like I let it slide at the time, but now that I'm reflecting on it in this conversation, that's not I'm just okay. Like, yeah, that was pretty homophobic. It right? is homophobic. Yeah, but I I can see what you mean. Sometimes I guess when someone is a little bit too flamboyant or fruity. People look at them as a yes, sideshow. Flamboyant and, is the word. Yeah, yeah. And, and as a sideshow, as a joke, you yeah, know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and someone not to take seriously, like, yeah. And then you, you totally. I guess you don't want to be seen that way, so yeah, you yeah, try yeah, to yeah. try to butcher. You try to butcher. Oh my yeah. god. Which is, I mean, and then also actually, right? Flamboyant, queer flamboyance in its mm. own way, you know, is a form, is a kind of coping mechanism in its own right, right? Yeah, it's a way it of is. establishing um a kind of uh, identity and self actualization against this kind of corrosive straight male environment. Yeah. And I think, you know, in my own life, right, I have definitely overcompensated by being very, like, uh, so I used to be, like, super, super flamboyant, right, in a way that I no longer am because I no longer feel the need to be quite as expressive. Okay. Because I feel like I... More I, self-assured. I, I feel I'm more self-assured and I'm less 
I mean, I'm still insecure, but less insecure. Right. And I feel like uh, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need like um to be in this like high performative register all the time. Right. To be, to be, to to actualize myself. Okay. You know what I mean? But sometimes I wonder, is it that I've just spent more time being like um, be you know feeling like you know I'm not being taken seriously, which is why I pull back from it. Maybe, yeah. but there's also a sense of this flamboyance as. Resistance, right? It's, yes, it's, it's, yes. A, it's a power thing, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes when you resist a lot, it can get tiring. Yeah, and you go like, you know it. what? I'm done. Yes, I'm now in my thirties. Yeah, I want to sit and watch Netflix. So actually, code switching <laughs> to code switching to straight men, it's right? Just, sometimes it's exhaustion. Uh, it's like actually. It's a lot easier to just like not yes. have to go through the side eye, not go through the, all the like. I just want to see my grab. Yeah. Listen to my music. I and don't. Yeah. I don't want anything. I don't want to. Ha- I don't want this kind of like uh, these questions to hover in the air between us. Yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. Equally though, sometimes I feel like when I'm interacting with straight men, like I I do just push forth like my my queerness. Um. Like I just like, uh, just as a way to just kind of like wield some form of like. Power over them sometimes Absolutely. because I know it makes them uncomfortable. Absolutely, yeah. I I really like this. So so I I I actually one of the things that I really 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 want to do is to wear a dress on the MRT oh. because I really just want to see how people react and I want to, I want to push people and like you said to make them feel a little bit uncomfortable and to question why they feel uncomfortable. I know it's it sounds almost basic. It sounds almost like a university project, but I just <laughs> want to feel. I want to be the one doing it. What university? What course would that be? <laughs> what course in uni would like be gender? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, actually, it's yeah, it's like a there's like a level two class on gender, <laughs> yeah, right? right? For my final project, I'm just gonna go on the MRT yeah, address, correct? Yeah. Resistance, and I'm gonna document as a kind of yeah. like lived ethnography. Because, yeah, correct. Because <laughs> I never actually, I, I never actually went through a phase where 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 being extremely fem- flamboyant was was an act of resistance. But mm. now, now, mm. I, while you are feeling tired about about it a little bit, mm. I am starting to see. Power in it. I'm mm. starting to, to to explore a little bit. Mm. Like like a month ago, I went out to buy baju butterfly. Oh oh. oh. <laughs> I think I texted wow, in the group. Yeah. I went level to buy, up, level up. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, it's very very empowering eh, to wear mm. baju butterfly at home. Mm. But I'm just wearing it at home. Mm. So it's just this. No lah. Next step is you walk down to the market with <laughs> baju butterfly. <laughs> slowly, slowly, uh, slowly. So when they own it after uh, end up in Parkway Parade. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then you cut to yeah, you appear yeah. on stomp. Yeah, so, co- yeah, I'll be on stomp. Who is this weirdo? Where about you butterfly to the? Correct. Yeah. yeah, but this act of resistance to me is now becoming a little bit more appealing and a little bit mm. alluring. And it is, and what exactly about it is exciting is that I want to chocho at straight people. To, mm. to be perfectly honest, I mm. want I want you all to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I know. This seems to be your kind of like moment right now because I think since, since the announcement of the repeal, um, you've been talking to me a lot about how we should just all be so much more fucking gay. We should be more Yeah, we gay. should just like insert ourselves into the into the public into yeah. the public a lot more like right? just uh, hello I'm here mm. you know you all have to deal with it yeah, correct, yeah correct, correct. I think that's the way forward sis. I think like where there's a bit of slipperiness nowadays is that and I've heard so many people say this it's like nowadays uh, it's very hard to tell the straight men apart from the gay men you know girl, uh, girl, girl. and this I think ties back to what we were saying earlier about how like the collective labour of frustrated straight women has kind of like fundamentally changed straight male aesthetic yeah. in Singapore because you know what uh a, a straight woman wants what? at the end of the day basically they probably <laughs> they want nice things <laughs> <laughs> they want nice things and gay men look nicer yeah, la. Gay men, yeah, yeah, they yeah, maybe yeah. want they maybe want to fall in love yeah, with yeah. their gay best yeah, friend yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's what they turn I think it's a kind of like <laughs> it's, it's, it's a kind of implicit collaboration 
collaboration between <laughs> gay men and straight women to kind of like change the the aesthetic of straight men, right? Correct. I mean, obviously, it's also informed by like um, social media trends. You know, like sure. I think like younger people are dressing basically dressing off TikTok now. Yeah, and they're know? dressing very androgynously yes. a little bit, very in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's fine. I think. I think. I, it's know, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, I, it's like I'm mildly perturbed by it because like sometimes I look at a, a guy on the street, and it's like, ooh, cute, and then like uh. you, you observe a bit longer, then you go like, oh, that's definitely a straight man. Correct, right? Yeah, but then you know they they wear the dangly, dangly, dangly earrings. I know which one. And then like they all pin the nails. Everybody, now, and everybody. All wear high waist pants, lah. Correct. Now it's so difficult to tell. Perm hair. Perm. Oh my god, the perm curly hair, one. Ah, perm hair center parting. Oh. oh. What? They all, I mean, they all look like Korean, like um. Perm hair center part. Perm hair center part, girl. What kind of poodle look is this? It's, it's called broccoli hair. <laughs> Look it up. I'm not joking. It's the Gen Z broccoli haircut. Yeah. You're not joking. It's like short at the sides and then a bit poofy on the top and then side parting. Uh, center parting. Broccoli hair. Boom. Wow. Boom. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And then like all walking around looking like uh yeah, it's like they look like K-pop lah. Yeah, but they mm. look like uh I think like mid 2000s gays. Yeah. You know, and it's like, is this appropriation? No, but is this appropriation? <laughs> but it does make things difficult for us. I see what you mean. Yeah, it's like, like how, how hey, my get up, my get up a bit kissy already. All yeah. over the yeah, place. I, think I need to send for. I need to send for. Upgrade, you need to reset. Yeah. La, I, need I need to reset. <laughs> it's very confusing. Eh? You need to download the latest yeah, version. <laughs> yeah, I need. I need to upgrade the firmware of Correct. my get Correct. Don't yeah. you find it just like. It, it is it is a bit confusing and yes I, I do admit it sometimes when you go to queer parties nowadays mm. and queer parties are, you know you have queer friendly people coming in they're straight and they all dress queer which is I guess wonderful but it does make uh, eyeing out a gay guy and, and like dancing with a gay guy and perhaps taking the next level a little yeah, bit more yeah, difficult yeah, yeah. yeah and How I, uh? I don't know like, is, it, is it that gays now have to go in the opposite direction huh? do we have to dress like Straight men from the early 2000s. Is this? Is, is it? Is it where this is, is it going? Is it we must wear Giordano t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> no. Is it we must wear our army singlet? <laughs> is it we must wear our army singlet? The grey one. The grey oh, one. Oh no, no. Worse are uh, the NUS faculty shirt. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I still have. <laughs> is it we must dress like that? Is it we must just go everywhere in our at, home, at our at home clothes? Yeah. So yeah. Th- this is the solution for gay people. You must turn straight, uh. Yeah. No, I think we have to. We have to reappropriate yeah. straight male aesthetic for our own ends. We need a new identity. We need a new identity. Anyway, gay men are so preoccupied with their masculinity, right? Go and work out on. This seems correct. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it started with that, didn't it? It started out with a lot of gay men bulking up, and then like um, and then like be- you know like adopting very masculine aesthetic. Correct. Yeah. Because they were really trying to move away from the feminine. Yeah. Line. And yeah. then now the men, now the straight men are just kind of like you know kind of uh wielding this kind of more and feminine oh my aesthetic God. for themselves. We've all moved towards each other a bit. Correct. You and know what this is? This is a whole new world. Like. It's, it's basically, a, it's great. Like. It sounds like it might be a happy world at the end because we all start to see a little bit of each other, right? Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah, you yeah. think so? Yeah, but this is especially <laughs> dangerous for me because like, what? I am now, apart from being in my home record era, of course, I am also fully in my fall in love with straight men era. Girl. Yeah, it's not healthy. Have you fallen in love with a straight man I wouldn't say fall in love But I've had very deep crushes On straight men recently Please tell me more It's mostly like Okay I noticed this When I was back in London This summer right I was hanging out With a lot of friends And then like um, I guess like In, in places like London The the, the straight men there Are of a different flavour like, Let's sure. say Just generally a bit more um, Open, experimental 100% Their style is very nice yeah. And they just Like there are some Generally really sweet Straight men yeah. um, there Who are just like Really gentle And kind And sensitive mm. and Not then, say here Don't have Not I say here say Don't have. have Here also got Here also got And yeah. I 
yeah, fall but, in love with those also. But propensity yeah. lah. So I'm beginning to find myself very drawn to a kind of really sweet, sensitive, caring, gentle, straight man who's the kind who will like look after you, you know. And I just find myself responding in a kind of really pathetic way to that. Oh my god! Yeah, and I'm just like, like I just like oh, it's like we go to a party. You simp. Yeah, we go to I simp for them, man. I'm such a <laughs> simp. Like we go to a party and then like they will just look after me the whole night. They're just like <gasps> checking in on me, say, "Oh, have you drunk your water?" That is so and cute. Like, oh, like, why are you being so nice to me? That is cute. Gay men aren't like this to me, you know. Is that why? Is, is, is this the quality of our treatment yeah, that you like? I think it just like turns me into masculinity. Yeah. I think so. I feel a bit cringe saying it. It's like, <laughs> is it problematic? Am I problematic now? I, I feel like, like think, my I think inner, you're the problem. Yeah, my inner Xiao Mei Mei, right? Just like comes to the surface, <laughs> like, And I'm just like, like, mm, Koko, can you look after me? <laughs> <laughs> So gross No but really lah It's like Okay Like the Okay Gay men falling for their straight friends Is a cliche Of course It's a cliche right Yeah absolutely Which is like, It's a cliche in your teens And your early 20s right sure. And then you think at the grand old age of 35 I've outgrown yeah. it But it's come back with a vengeance eh? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 It's a cliche in your teens and your 20s yeah. But it's, it's but a problem Yeah your- <laughs> It's a problem in your 30s right It's a problem It's like Joe you should 30s. know better Down this road there is yeah. no hope But beyond the romantic yearning There's also the sexual yeah. yearning for, for straight men yeah, Because yeah, yeah. like You have this idea built up in your head That there's so hyper masculine that you think about what they will do to you Perhaps. Uh, sexually that, be, that that's for me lah. I think about what they'll do to you sexually that is very, very, very sexy. I mean I I, I slightly disagree on this because for mm. me, like I'm actually the kind of straight men I'm drawn to are not the hyper masculine ones. Right. Yeah. Okay. The straight men I'm drawn to are like the really soft, like gentle ones who no. might as well be gay, you know. No, no yeah. really? No, yeah. but even that, even their softness, there is something very masculine about it. I don't know. Is, I don't know. That's where I'm at. Is this your cultural coding? This is my yeah. <laughs> This is my cultural coding And I'm extrapolating it Where it will take me In the bedroom right. And I'm like Yes I'm here but, for it Okay but herein lies The problem right So it's like mm. You can be aesthetically um, And even maybe Performatively soft And gentle right sure. But like At the end of the day If you're a straight man You're still susceptible To all the fucked up Misogyny And like You know um, Like uh, Gross cultural values That can come with that space So like sure. You know like I, I, I follow a lot of these Instagram profiles That are basically Just taking the piss Out of like Um uh, straight dating app. So like um, The famous Very famous one Is called Beam Me Up Soft Boy <laughs> Have you heard of that? No I will go and follow Have you never seen Beam Me Up Soft Boy? No okay, I dear listeners, follow. Those of you who know Just like Press F <laughs> <laughs> Show some respect To Beam Me Up Soft Boy Beam Me Up Soft Boy Is this Instagram profile Which collects um, screenshots that women all over the world send to her from dating apps like Hinge or Tinder or whatever. And it's just, all gross? Yeah, men just say the most disgusting things. So, okay, I mean, first of all, to pull back a little bit, right? Like, you know what a soft boy is? No. Okay, like, so. Like someone who's like soft, I guess? Yeah, okay, so soft boy is a derivation of the term fuckboy, right? Oh, so, right. fuckboy, you are familiar yes, with. Like, I a fuckboy is a kind of guy who is just like. Um, <laughs> In it for the sex yes. It's very degrading of women yes. It's just like a total douchebag right like, So soft boy is a kind of like Variation on that Where he's internally All of those things But presents as being Very sensitive Presents as being very like uh, Cultural like, Isn't like more gross More disingenuous Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So he's oh. like he, he's like I think like has figured out That the way into <gasps> The contemporary woman's Ew. heart Is to present A kind of like Softness and gentleness But then at the heart of it It still says very misogynistic Patronizing things like Oh uh, I bet you've never seen Pulp Fiction before you would really love it and then just like mansplain God. all the mansplaining right uh, right so that's yeah, a yeah. soft boy yeah yeah okay. and like they say something, so like, beat me up soft boy just documents the most atrocious versions of this yeah wow. and, and they say these things and they think they can get away with it yeah. what is this power that straight men have I also want <laughs> 
patriarchy la. Really must say man. Actually, arguably, right? The world maybe become more dangerous for women because and they're all, with soft boys. Yeah, because yeah. they're all these men going out there pretending to be woke and yeah. to, to be like uh, reformed men, but actually inside they're just like you know evil, evil douchebags at the heart of it. Yeah, yeah. women, be careful. Be, be careful, <laughs> <at> women. <laughs> then, then I look at gay men, you know, yeah. in the dating pool here. I'm just like. It's also quite fucked up, ah. It's like yeah, you know, sure. I wish actually I wish more gay men were like softer as well and just more sensitive and gentle. But it's not always the case, you know. But girl, while while straight people have soft boys to contend with, the gay people also have their own versions of shit to contend with. Yeah. Right? There are people who are also not genuine. Mm. There are also people who who say awful things. Yeah, so yeah. we all have our own yeah. battles, my, like girl. My favorite one is the sapiosexual. Sapiosexual. Have you heard like you're on Grinder or these dating oh, apps? Uh, like, people, Basically like yeah. your mind uh. Yeah yeah <laughs> Like a sapiosexual The gay sapiosexual Is the kind who's like Oh you know um, I'm all about the, uh, Your brain like, I'm turned on by intelligence Yeah but I read they, Foucault Yeah I read Foucault <laughs> But then they all have like These like ripped gym bodies And that you can of tell course. That they're probably Still quite superficial Oh and 100% just, like, Because like my, my, my argument is this right It's like If you're a sapiosexual Why aren't you fucking me Because like I'm very smart Exactly ah, sis Correct You know what that should be On a t-shirt Correct If, if you're, you're a sapiosexual Why aren't you fucking me Exactly mm. <laughs> hey, actually, uh, have you ever had sex with a straight man? A- and if you had sex with a straight man, would that still be a straight man? But like, have you ever had sex with an, av- uh, 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 an allegedly straight man? I don't think I have. Mm. I mean, I, I need to run through my roller decks of uh, <laughs> <laughs> of people that I've slept with. Yeah, maybe some of them are no longer gay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I've converted a few. <laughs> but have, have you noticed on Grinder there are men who claim to be straight? Yes, mm. and they're not only uh, the, yes, the, the men who claim to be straight, and the men who claim to be straight also want uh, trans uh, women. Trans women. You're on Grindr looking for trans women, Specifically, right? Specifically, yeah. TS only. Yes, uh, uh, I think the term for them is like um, chasers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like they're, they're allegedly straight men who go for trans women. Yeah, and I think why yeah. they do that is because Grindr is a platform for, for queer, queer people. people. Yeah. So I think that is like the easy marketplace to find yeah, 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 a, yeah. a trans person. Yeah, like. I actually find that very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, like my, my, one of my best friends in London um, is a trans woman and mm. she's she's really, re- after her transition, she started dating um, so-called straight men yeah. who are who are, who are are chasers like, basically. And then like, like the, the space is a very complex one because like, it's a uh, bit fetishizing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, she's reported to me that, like, very often there's a kind of, like, fetishistic quality to it. Um, and it, sometimes it can be quite... That desire and that gaze can be quite dehumanizing. Wow. But then, like, the ones who are, like, um, who you can enter into a bit more of, like, uh, a, a, a stable, like, honest situation with, like, are, you know... You know, they are, like, acculturated as straight men and they're attracted to femininity, right. to women, which includes trans women. Right. And so, th- whenever they're in that situation, they find themselves very, um, like, uh, conflicted yeah. about, like, oh my god, does this make me gay or whatever? Of course. Know? Because, like, yeah. you know, and it's, they it's start very, questioning. Yeah, they start la. questioning themselves and it's a very messy space, I think. Right, but yeah. if they pull through and they push, or, or rather, if they push through the question and they're honest with themselves, yeah. I guess the answer at the end of the day is that, hey, maybe I'm some sort of queer. Yeah, they, I mean, they are. Okay. They are some kind of queer. Right? It's just that they have to be honest with themselves. Yeah. But, you know, this process of being honest with yourself, right? You're taking, you're doing this at the expense of another person there, the trans person there yeah. with you. And it can be very traumatic for yeah. that trans person. Yeah, but I mean, I guess like the interesting thing here as my friend relates to me is that there can be something quite affirming about um, being desired by straight men right. if you're a trans woman because it affirms like um, aspects of like your gender presentation. Sure. Right? So, you know, it, it kind of goes... It's both, empowering. It, yeah, it's empowering but it can also be kind of 
um, messy and dehumanizing if, if, it's, if it's not done with care. Exactly. Yeah. Because there really is another human being that you're yeah. contending with here. Yeah. And it's not your space for to, to, to psychoanalyze Correct. or to, 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 to yeah. have therapy with, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. But I guess what I find interesting about that is like the kind of the fragility of the straight male uh, masculine identity when thrown into that situation, right? It's like, yeah. rather than just accept that, oh, okay, I find this person attractive and sexual, and then it suddenly becomes this crisis of masculinity. Yeah, straight men don't know how to unclench one. Yeah. They don't know how to unclench. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, well, speaking of <laughs> straight men unclenching, right? Yes. Like, I am very turned on by, like, um, straight men being pegged <gasps> by women. Do you know? Yeah. I any? Well, yeah, actually, like, I have a friend of mine, uh, like, a friend of mine, her boyfriend, and I, we were all hanging out um, once a couple of months ago, and then she was like, "Oh yeah, you know, we've started introducing pegging into our into our into our sex." And then he was like, "Oh yeah," it was like, and then I was like, "Oh," and I was asking how he felt about that. He said, like, "Oh yeah, it was like really strange at first to be penetrated." Oh my god! But then like I started to enjoy it, and then <gasps> like, but then at the same time, it made me kind of like ask. You know, it, it kind of destabilized my sense of masculinity a bit, which you know, predictable, predictable. Oh my god, the fact that the masculinity yeah. hinges on yeah, this yeah, sexual yeah. act is very, very yeah, yeah, yeah. like. Yeah, but, but no, no, he is very self-aware himself. You know, okay, and kind of very reflective about this. So we ended up having a really great conversation, and he was like, "Yeah, actually, you know, Joel, the funny thing is, I would never have admitted this to any of my straight male friends, but because you're queer, I feel comfortable telling you. But my, I would not." Say this to my straight male friend, but that isn't that so interesting. Yeah, what, what, what is there a sense of shame associated with I it? I think so, or like a kind of like um, it would make. I I think the way he expressed it, there was a kind of nervousness about how his masculinity might be perceived by his friends because like the act of being penetrated is seen as so emasculating. Yeah. apparently. See, so this is so interesting. Like this person sounds like he's quite enlightened. Yeah. you know, to want to try to yeah, be pregnant, yeah, yeah. but even after all of that, even after going through the thought processes himself, he still feels mm. a sense of shame and there's something, there's this hurdle that he cannot get over. Yeah. He can't talk to his straight friends about it. Yeah. That uh, is really deeply ingrained in us yeah, uh, yeah, how yeah. we want to it's, present it's, this masculinity. There is, an, like, there is a lot of anxiety around masculinity, right? I mean, obviously, this goes back to what we were saying earlier about how we code switch, yeah. you know, to be more masculine in certain contexts, right? Yeah. Because, the, yeah, like, masculine, you know, masculinity is a deeply fragile thing. It's like so, yeah. it's, I, I guess like the stakes of um, being emasculated are quite high in this culture where masculinity is so prized. Mm. Yeah. And then, then he said something really interesting at the end of that which is like, I think all straight men should be penetrated so that they know what that sensation is like mm. and and like, and like let that inform the dynamic in their sexual um, life when they're penetrating women, right? Yeah. And I just like, oh, that's really interesting. It's to give up yeah. a bit of that power and yeah. to understand what it means to yeah. take that power away from someone yeah. else. Yeah. To be, he's like, he was like, the most radical thing for him was suddenly being submissive in bed. Oh my God. Which is like, wow. Wow. Yeah, it's like, and this is where queers are just light years ahead, right? Very much. Yeah, in a single in a single sexual encounter, we can go from dominant to submissive, flip here, flip there, flip Easy. here, watch Hello Kitty, eat ice cream, <laughs> watch Hello uh, Kitty, watch Hello Kitty watch ice cream, order, McDonald's, order McDonald's, then rinse and repeat. Yeah, Correct. And rinse and repeat, and it's like, oh, that was just like a Tuesday. That was a Tuesday, <laughs> sis. So yeah, I just find that I just found that very fascinating and like um quite hot actually. Like there is a real anxiety with straight men giving up their masculinity, right? They really want to hyperperform it. Like how is it done in Singapore? And, and, and like what happens if it's not? What happens if you have a straight friend that suddenly doesn't perform it? Do, do they get ostracized? Uh, I actually think that that actually we are becoming a little bit more forgiving. Yeah, I would hope so. Right? Like yeah. like if we see queer like what is normally codified as as, as, as queer, right? In, mm. in some of our straight friends, uh, I think kids are becoming a little bit more uh, forgiving in, in all these characteristics because of social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we see a lot of this, um, uh, like 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 uh, 
non-binary stars yeah. out there people yeah. dressing androgynously so people start to put this into their minds and they go like oh, actually that's okay yeah, it's, that's fine it's also queerness is just accepted at a very basic level amongst these kids like I was reading this article in the New York Times a while ago about how online like um, all of these big TikTok influencers especially the straight the, the, the ostensibly straight boys like have no qualms whatsoever about like making out with each other or like um, you know being very physically intimate with each other to and they do it in a totally calculated way to get more views because Absolutely. They, yeah which is like queer baiting completely there's one but guy also, yeah. yeah there's one guy for me called it, his name is Mario he does it all the time he, he's like all naked mm. all the time and he just he asks questions like uh, would I do uh, would, would, what would take me to do gay sex how, yeah. how, how much how much long of a penis yeah, would yeah, I take and yeah. all this sort of thing yeah, yeah. and he's, he's totally straight and I mean okay on one level that is kind of gross and queer baity it but is it kind of baby. points to a deeper kind of acceptance I guess um, yeah. of of like queer queerness in general because I know <sighs> like you know um, you know our friends who teach in school nowadays like they tell us and you you would know right the kids just like you know uh, especially in co-ed environments right like it's just considered very normal and you know I mean obviously it's more probably, normal probably there are exceptions obviously yeah. there are exceptions right? I mean bullying still happens yeah. so don't get me wrong there still needs to be some a lot of education with yeah. regards to this but it's I see it as becoming a lot more normalized. Yeah, it's because like queerness has cultural capital now. Yeah, you know, it it's does. like you know, uh, oh. all, all there's so many queer artists and the, the the queer aesthetic has become so mainstream that it's be, it's be, it's kind of kind of uncool to be homophobic. Right. It's not like you know the the show Young Royals on Netflix. Yeah, I do. So like the interesting thing about Young Royals, which is takes place in Sweden, Sweden, in a kind of like um like very rich boarding school, and it's amongst a bunch of teenagers, right? That's right. Like. At the heart of it is a homosexual relationship, but mm-hmm. the crisis is not, strictly speaking, like homophobia in the way we understood it in the early in the nineties and the two thousands. You know, they sure. these queer characters aren't bullied. No, you know? they're not. Like, it's a, for, the crisis is is that it's like, the crown. Yeah, right, the, the, so like the crown prince yeah. falls in love with this boy, and yeah. then like he can't be, uh, and 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 it's interesting. Like so, a uh, sex tape of them gets leaked, right? And then That's he right. has to deny that it was him in the sex tape, um to avoid political fallout. And actually, the political fallout isn't so much about the fact that he's gay as no, it is that he's in a sex tape. Yeah. So I find it very interesting that, like, homophobia is not the crisis. It's a very different yeah. sort of crisis. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, prob- it's homophobic in its own way, but it's not homophobia as we grew up with. And on I mean? some level, I'm I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> really it's, glad. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit more of a sophisticated conversation. It's not so basic as, like, oh, I just gay people suck, you know? Yeah. Which is wonderful. If it means that I can finally like um, manifest my dream of falling in love with a straight man. Yeah, this opens yeah, up your this pool. This opens a bit up my pool, you know. Yeah. Is this is good news for you? Hey, straight man, slide into my DMs and then some. And then, and then some. some. Pa, 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 and now it's time for lukewarm takes. <sighs> We're two elder millennials. That's us. Talk about something that's happening in the world today. So, Joe, what are we going to talk mm. about today? Today, we're talking about radical climate activism. What? Radical? Radical climate radical. activism. Hey, bro. <laughs> hey, bro. You radical enough or not? Do you care about the planet? Hey, bro. Do you planet? care about planet? He's our hero. Going to pollution down to zero. Oh, God. I'm going to shower. <laughs> My armpit's sweaty. <laughs> so, we're talking today about radical climate activism. And specifically, specifically, right? Specifically, I'm talking about the, the activist action of a group, uh, a, co- uh, a coalition of climate activists based in the UK yeah. called Just Stop Oil. Correct. Who are they actually? Yeah, they are a coalition of 
you know, environmental activists who yeah. have been working the ground for a long time, but recently they've stepped oh. up. They've stepped up their their protests in very public ways to protest a bunch of like political decisions in the UK about. Uh, well, basically, the UK government has a, signed a bunch of contracts that are uh, contradict their commitment to cutting out oil. So in f- it, uh, they're doing yeah. the opposite, right? Yeah, they're, they're tapping on. Uh, they they are basically going to tap on more oil, oil reserves. Yeah. They're going to yeah dig which, it up, which is fucked, right? But yeah. then like so these these activists have um started doing very uh radical. Protest disruptive and disruptive protest actions. So you mm. will probably have the most like famous ones are um, them splashing toma- tomato soup on like um, the Van Gogh the, painting. The Van Gogh uh. painting, and yeah. then like earlier, I think it was um, you know gluing themselves to famous paintings. That's right. In in in, uh, in spray painting. Uh, yeah, spray painting government buildings. Government buildings. And then uh, also they are like do they are forming human chains and blocking traffic. Ah, <clears throat> uh, and then yeah. people are on the M twenty five like a motorway. Yeah. Or in 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 the UK as well. Yeah. Just or, blocking. Or, or just major streets. Like Shoreditch High Street and stuff Crazy. like that. Crazy, yeah. And they are um, doing, you know, and there are very many reasons why they're doing this. But like, they are basically planned. I think like a, a long, and they've been doing this for about a month or so. Already, a month or so, yeah. Just like causing practically daily disruption. Yeah. Uh, and it's gotten you know the UK public very angry. They've been quite irate. Yeah. And there's been huge conversations about it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I I think it's wonderful. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess I guess we can backtrack a little bit. Ask ourselves why mm. they're doing this and the reason that they they say that they're doing this is because they feel they're not being heard and the only way that they can be heard is if they do something drastic and the cameras are turned onto mm. them because every time they do some something drastic and disruptive right you you realize what they yeah. say is that they go into the spiel they go like oh the planet is dying they're doing this we're doing that we're asking our governments to do this yeah, so like, they go into this and, whole and the rhetoric thing. is things like do we care more about this painting than we care about you know the exactly. environment I think the term they've used is um, they are disrupting the attention economy. So I think they are. Yeah, what yeah. I think is so remarkable about this is that they are so you know. I mean, obviously it's flawed, but like the the, the brilliant thing about this is that they are just really aware of how attention works in this day and age, right? And it's like it's 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 it, we all have a baseline intellectual understanding yeah. of like. The climate disaster. That this is terrible. Yeah, but like on a daily basis, we allow it to kind of fade into the back of our minds in a way, right? So what they do is like they are they dis- bring it to the they forefront. Are, they're now. disrupting our attention by like causing you know spectacle around this that makes it into all our social media feeds. That disrupts that. the disrupts the news cycle and pops you know pops up in a really major way. No, I I and yeah. I and I hear you and I get that I and. It's true. They really make themselves known, but in making themselves known, I some I ask myself like. What is the fallout here? You're making people very angry, mm. and, and and I look at I'm looking at videos of all of of regular people dragging these protesters off the streets because they they're saying to them, "I need to take my kids to school. Mm. You're stopping the bus. I'm 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 need to take someone to the hospital." They're saying mm. all these mm, things, mm. and I'm thinking to myself, "Are you just?" doing the opposite of what you want to do because you're not getting any sympathizers yeah, here. So that's a common critique of this action, right? That like you are actually alienating more people than recruiting people to the cause. Exactly. And if, if, if Just Stop Oil does something else in the future, would their name now be tarnished? Because people are like, oh, these were the, the, young, blo- the young blokes who were just disrupting us uh, like a, f- a few years ago or whatever, a few months ago. Yeah. I mean, I have a few thoughts about that. One, like I don't, I think the the assumption that they're trying to win people to the cause is maybe a bit of a flawed one. Like I don't know that at this stage they're trying to recruit people to the cause. I think the the action they're taking is is very specifically to disrupt 
to disrupt and to create a problem such that the government cannot ignore it and is forced to it's basically like a kind of strike in a way right strikes, sure. are, strikes are disruptive they mm. stop the economy um, they create disruptions but like this this is like a kind it's, it's the same kind of principle right where you are disrupting the, the running of the economy in a way or disrupting the 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 uh, making very public something that is you know uh, e- easily brushed aside sure so another accusation that these people get is that oh you know why don't you go and like uh, you know uh, target people um, like politicians and whatever right without understanding that these people have actually they have have, yeah, they, they have, have. it's a very on it's a long process where they yeah. They've tried everything. They've done the petitions. They are actually quite you know, targeted. They've, they've, they've done the petitions. They've done the they've done the protests outside government buildings. So clearly, none of those things. Have Even worked. in their yeah. vandalism, is quite targeted. Yeah. They, they target like car companies. Yeah, yeah, uh, government buildings yeah. and all these things. I, 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 I think like it it makes perfect sense to me. Like, would I? It's, and I think it is about the kind of headspace that is demanded of all of us in dealing with the climate crisis, right? It's like, even even like this thing where, you know, you're disrupted on your way to work, right? Mm. That crisis is a deeply individualized one. Sure. And that is like, you know, yeah, sure, I get that that is a kind of deeply disruptive, annoying thing. If I were in a car and I need to get somewhere, like if I needed to go and shit and I was like stuck in traffic, right? <laughs> I would be very upset. But at the same time, I'd be able to, you know, I personally would go, okay, but like the stakes here are much higher. The sense of, the scale is bigger than me right and I think like that's the scale they're working on they're like yes I'm so sorry that we have to disrupt your day but like unless we kind of expand our sense of you know what disruption means and we expand the scale of like who, who, what, what is truly at stake here we cannot deal with this problem in any meaningful way yeah and I, I hear where you're coming from but I think that the risk that they're putting themselves in and the risk they're putting other people in yeah. threatens the entire endeavour like what happens but what if, is the entire endeavour like what hap- uh, tra- threatens whatever they're trying to do here la, threatens whatever the, the, this coalition is trying to do let's say someone really needs to go to the hospital and someone dies along the way because they, they, the streets were blocked or someone on the M25 a protester on the M25 suddenly falls down into traffic and dies the, I, I think it puts at risk the entire I think it does not mean that oh look a martyr to the cause. So mm. I, I don't think that's 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 how it's gonna fly. I think what people go like, look at these idiots. They've done something really horrible. Now uh, an innocent person has died or a protester has died. How is this beneficial? But those are speculative scenarios. It's very possible this might happen. Someone just uh, someone is uh, currently like on the M25 or something like that, crying out into into a video camera yeah. saying like oh this and that this and that like about the planet. Yeah. She could they stop traffic because of her because they're very scared that if she falls a car a lorry hits her. But if she even if she does fall from that height, she could seriously injure herself or, or die. That, yeah. that could happen. And and that is a risk that she's taken. I, and I don't know if that's effective. That's where I'm coming from. But I think, okay, I mean, okay, two two things. One small point being that, like, from what I understand of those protests, right, like, if they're blocking the street and an ambulance comes, they will make way for it. Only if it's yeah. a blue light ambulance. If yeah. someone is pregnant in a taxi, they will not. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And, and, and a doctor went on, on, on Good Morning UK or Good Morning Britain to say that, no, we will not. We will not do this. Only if it's a blue light ambulance, then we will make way and we will come forward. But if anyone else is having that, we're not going to move. Then... They really got they really got flagged for it like, because he was a doctor and they go like isn't the, the the oath that you take is to first do no harm yeah what are you doing here yeah but I think I think I know the doctor you're talking about I know that interview right and mm. in that same interview it was a very in that interview. same interview he was like 
I have been to parts of the world where I am dealing with people who are dealing firsthand with like the climate crisis. Right? Sure. So he's talking about like having worked in the global south, people dying, people la. dying because of like drastic changes in you know famine, and people pe- famine, and then like you know just because it's a kind of far away thing at the moment compared to the centrality of the Western experience, mm. like doesn't mean that it's not happening. And then I, I so in and and then in response to that, the kind of deeply conservative like panelists, uh, uh, uh the host of the thing said to him so like so you're you're willing in this time at this time to take the considerations of a group of people i.e. the world and society at large sure. over the, the needs of individuals and he's like yes precisely yeah. and that's I, that's what I mean precisely I think the climate crisis demands a different kind of thinking from us Yeah, you know that but transcends if, the individual but yeah. if it is disrupting attention and it, or, or just grabbing attention rather than being disruptive to grab attention I think there's so many different ways to do this that could not compromise safety or that could not compromise other people's lives that could actually bring people into the fold a little bit sure you know I, like there's a whole river of Thames that's running through it do something on the Thames you know because it, you, you won't you won't disrupt traffic flow you won't disrupt traffic flow to the hospitals to schools or to whatever so there are different ways to do this but, that could be equally attention grabbing I I am loath right as an outsider, as not an activist, as someone not engaged with putting myself on the line and not actively engaged in strategizing, I'm loath to go, why didn't you think of that? Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm loath to I'm I'm loath to point out to them things they could have done or could be doing as if these people haven't considered that there are less disruptive, less dangerous, no, less exactly. annoying things so to do. So they have made yeah. the choice to be that disruptive yeah. and to potentially alienate themselves, which is where I'm coming from when you can be just as disruptive and draw people into the fold. And I, I think it's fine for me to stand here and to say, hey, you should consider this because mm. the people that you're disrupting are, if I were in London, the, the people like me, the everyday bystander, the everyday commuter who is now going to be disrupted because of you. So I, because I'm disrupted, I I should have a say of how you should, you yeah, should be doing this. Yeah, and I this. think you have every right as as to be angry with these people and mm. I would think that that anger is productive because if so I think like the strategy here seems to me to be we are going to make ourselves a problem and we're going to piss a lot of people off and there's going to be political will to stop this problem from happening and recurring and the way to stop this problem this problem being these daily disruptions sure. the way to stop these problems is for the government to take action so it's like rather than direct anger at the activists why are these people not directing their anger at the government that refuses to engage with these because activists because it's the easiest person to direct anger because they are the ones yeah. that's broken so that's why I feel exactly. it so is I think misaligned it, no, no, but I think in this way the gorgeous thing about it is that they've dissolved self-interest totally they have allowed sure. themselves to become a problem they've allowed themselves to become despised and they are and the only way to, beca- to become to the only way to become a problem, a literal thorn in the government's side, is to piss people off. Yeah, I think they. I think. I think it's. A, I think as a strategy, it makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, yeah. I, I still <laughs> cannot fundamentally agree with this. And I want to move on to a second point. Yeah. Why I, I I totally don't agree with this. I know that some people bring up the examples of the suffragettes also being very disruptive, and that's how you know women mm. got the right to vote and all these yeah, sort of things. No one got rights by being nice, right? Yeah, no yeah. one got no one got rights by being nice. But I want to point out that it's a very different time. Of the, course. T- the types of people that are doing this now are, are people like Gen Zs, you know, uh, people born earlier more more recently than that. And there is a very different flavor to putting yourself out in social media. They might it might be not the cause that they're interested in, but self-interest. Some of the videos I see, like there was a woman who was spray painting Scotland Yard and then you know the usual spiel is that they will do something very disruptive and then they will talk about the climate crisis and say like oh this is what we want this is what we want this woman who was spray painting Scotland Yard then went on to talk about 
a person who was in jail. So it was very self-interested. It wasn't the same tenor of things. And it got me thinking like, why are you then doing this? Is it is it is it Gen mm. Z, uh, like, like just wanting popularity? I, I I find it a little bit difficult sometimes to think about to, to to not think about the fact that these are different type of people doing doing these things so, and their 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 thoughts might be a little bit displaced. So, it might not be the cause. So you're suggesting that like these people are not acting, you know, are doing it in the interest of the cause. Really? Yeah. So I I cannot help but think of that when I see when I see young people sort of crying out and all this sort of thing. Maybe I'm being cynical. Maybe I'm being very wrong to say this, but there is an element of social media here and Gen Zs that have an intimate relationship that people back in the day when they were being just as disruptive did not have this relationship. Um, I suppose I can like make space for that. I don't know that I agree. I mm. I feel like, sure, that's maybe a kind of bias that we have against like a generation that's been brought up on the internet that mm. we sort of like assume that everything they do is for the laws and the likes. But I, I, I having like, you know, and if you're talking specifically about Just Stop Oil and their, mm. and, their, and their actions, I don't know that that's how I would read any of them. Like, you know, also primarily that it's a pretty mixed coalition of both young people and sure. old people who are doing these actions. And and then I think also if you're going to deploy the kind of like Gen Z argument, right? It's like in a way they have a lot, you know, like they have been brought up not just with the internet, but also this sense of like um, climate catastrophe. Doom, They've been yeah, living with it's doom like, over you know, they, This is an entire generation that's been galvanized around like the activism of people like Greta Thunberg, for example. Sure. You know, like it's, 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 sure, it can be a kind of like um, performative brand thing, but it comes, but sure, I, I agree, but it also comes from a very deeply felt place. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and I totally understand where you're coming from and I totally get it. It's just that I cannot help. And what, what I'm trying to say is that I just cannot help but feel a little bit suspicious. And that suspicion raises doubt with the whole endeavor for me. Like, whether my suspicions are right, you know, or yeah. I, 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 of course, we can have a more argument about that. I need to read up a little bit more. Yeah. But it's just my immediate thing when I go and I see this, I go like, mm. I, I would say that that feels unhelpful to me. Okay. Like, you know, it's precisely the kind of, like, attitude that makes people think that millennials are becoming boomers ahead of our time. You know, it's one thing for us to kind of sit here as commentators Absolutely. And, and not be activists, you know, and not be engaged in any kind of, like, uh, active um, participation in these yeah. things. I feel like the moral, at least the moral position to take would be if you're not, if you're not participating, the least you could do is be supportive of it. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if you if you if you if you if you are displeased mm. and you think that there are better ways to do it, then actually the onus is on you to kind of find ways that you know make sense for you to participate in it that would give you meaning. But sure. by and large, we are not those people because like like most people, we are like lumpen, we are complacent, <laughs> we are we are we have accepted a kind of baseline nihilism when it comes to the climate, Very much, and it's easier yeah. it's easier to just not engage and to just talk and to about talk it about it. it. And yeah. like I I would say that whatever negative feeling this produces in us is actually mm. ultimately a productive emotion, because okay. like I think like I would much rather people get a rise out of it than not feel anything about the climate at all. I just you know hope I mean? that the that the feelings that come up with people when they when they see this disruptive behavior is eventually directed at the right people. I, people are now just directing it at the protesters, pro- protesters themselves. Yeah, again, I feel this is like symptomatic of this moment in hashtag late-stage capitalism, <laughs> right? Where it's easier to direct yeah. our anger at individuals, even individuals who sure. are doing something, than it is to point 
and, and look at the structure. You know, yeah, and it's in, in the case of Just Stop Oil, right? Like, the, the structural f- fucked upness is very clear. Mm. You know, it's like... It's, 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 it's not like this ambiguous network of yeah. like uh, corporations, whatever. It's literally government and policy. Yeah, and, and again, everyday citizens who are being disrupted, they don't disagree. Yeah. They go like, yes, this is a problem, but, but what can are you, they doing about it? But can it? you please get out of my way yeah. because I need, to, I need to do X, Y, so and Z. It, I need to live my life a little I, bit. And I, I know, and it yeah. sucks. I know, and it sucks, and I would hate to be them. And in a way, they are collateral damage, right? Mm. But, they, but in a way, you could think of them as collateral damage, not at the hands of these climate activists, even though literally in that moment they are, but they are collateral damage because of because the of government policy. Because, what, yeah. because like the government is refusing to engage with conscientious objectors of policy, mm. right? And in a way, we are all collateral damage. Yeah, eventually. You know, eventually. Like we'll be, yeah. So I, I just, I just, I, I, yeah, I just think that uh, my, my, I'm totally for this kind of radical okay. activism. I, yeah. I'm, I'm I, not I, wholly against yeah. it, but it's just that I, I have a lot of questions in how they carry out certain sure. things. Yeah. And I I agree. Like the aesthetic of protest is always uh up is always up for grabs. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And like, there's always some level of discomfort lah. Yeah. Know? And I would argue that unless it's producing discomfort, the activism, you know, mm. the 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 aesthetics of that protest aren't kind of like working. Mm. You know it's like when like how did you feel for example about like okay let's move on like from the the disrupting people's commute thing to like sure. the, the the spray painting or throwing tomato soup on art. How do you feel about that one? I thought that was just it was just a random bombastic act right? a very very visible act to just have a platform for to speak mm. yeah so when I when I saw it from that perspective I'm like okay that's fine I actually had no real issues with that because mm. you were not disrupting people you were just really trying to grab attention mm. yeah I was okay with that I was okay with vandalizing uh, outside of the museums you mm. know they would just write don't uh, uh, just stop oil rather and then they would just sit there and then they would start their spiel uh, that that I'm okay with. In fact, more of that, please. Mm. Yeah, more of that. Let's do that. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Even even then, like, when the tomato soup was thrown at the Van Gogh, right, people were very upset about it. I, mean, yeah. I, I find that instinct very strange, right? Like, people go like, like and even artists... Because like, it's a masterpiece, yeah, right? Even artists, I've you know, especially artists whose accounts I, I follow were just like, this is this is feeble as a protest action. Mm. You know, it's like, it's, it, it's like, why deface art? Right. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I just found it quite an interesting space, you know. It's like, they, I think they were asking questions about what we value. Okay. You know? mm. I think like, and then some, so, I, equal, it's like, it's, it doesn't have to be so binary. You can value both a masterpiece. Of course, of course. And, and you know, conversation on the climate. But I, I guess th- it's just what we value. So when, when the, uh, the artists were like, okay, no, this is very stupid because they value art. Mm. For me, I don't want to be disrupted. I don't want my commute to be disrupted. I don't want my own lived, ex- my lived experience to be disrupted. So when I see this happening and I see inconvenience, I go like, can, this has to there has to be a better way to deal with this you're disrupting mm. millions of people well thousands of people uh, on their commute you know so this there has to be a better way to do this whereas if you do that in the museum really nobody got hurt to be perfectly honest yeah I mean I guess like w- what I'm circling around in my head is this question like actually what 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 would it actually take for us to take these to take climate activism seriously yeah you know what would it take we keep saying in a slightly procrastinatory way that what it would take to solve all of these um, problems that we face with with the kind of like deep structural um, uh, brokenness of this of this moment right what what it would take is utter collapse and yet when Even then, yeah and yet when aspects of that collapse arise start to show it start to here, show right? it, we 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 go Oh, oh, it's too much. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah, and this is is and this is and this is like 
like low key as it comes, you know. Mm. It's like will it take like masses of people dying in floods as has already happened yeah. in Pakistan, right? Yeah. You know, what would it honestly what would it take for people yeah. to I mean, like, it, it, the the world is on a fast track to hell. I think it was recently said in COP27 that we are, our our foot is on the Accelerated to hell or something yeah. like that, which is really horrifying to hear. Yeah. And even even that COP twenty seven is happening or just just concluded. Not much is being said about it everywhere else. Everybody's kind of like, oh, we'll attend the meetings and and then you know whatever. Yeah. In fact, uh, Rishi Sunak, the UK Prime Minister, actually had a meeting with the with the with the French President about immigration at COP twenty seven mm. when when it was I think the highlight of it was supposed to be about climate change. So people's People seem to be very displaced about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it will take, sis. I think it will take when the whole world is underwater, lah. Yeah. Huh? And then we we are the swim fish. La. We, we swim, swim and la. then we go. Hey, the water's very nice today. <laughs> Maybe we become like hybrid. Maybe human beings will grow gills. Then we we'll all become like At- Atlanteans. That's the dream, leh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess I just want to like end by saying that I don't. I think like I find I I I feel in myself a kind of drive towards resignation and nihilism right mm. and I think it's very easy for us all to feel it in this moment where it's yeah. a lot easier to go you know everything's fucked I'm fucked I don't recycle I'm a horrible human being the structures are horrible and oppressive mm. we can't do any change we can't create any change right Yeah. and then to to just kind of let that paralyze us in a way and I, I don't know that that's a helpful emotion fundamentally and I, I think for me like part of shifting the gear in my own life towards not allowing myself to slip into that kind of passivity is to not like shit on other people's activism no matter how flawed or problematic it is because at the end of the day I I reckon that even to step out and do something no matter how Mm. flawed or messy or stupid it is is already better than just like sitting on your ass okay and I I will disagree because I think sometimes you need to call out certain acts of stupidity because at the end of the day some acts of stupidity are worth not doing because at the, it's going to cause more problems mm. yeah okay um, we can agree we can agree to, to disagree, disagree. Mm. Mm. all right it's time for bite-sized science yeah. it's the segment in which our resident science expert kishan kumar singh that's me Gives us some bite-sized signs to help us survive 21st century living. Mm. Content warning for this bite-sized science, animal cruelty. What do we have on the menu today, Kishin? This is about Laika. Do you know Laika? The camera? No. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, but this is Laika, the Soviet space dog. Oh. Yeah. So the reason I'm talking about this... I, I, Two reasons, lah. Because her her death anniversary um just passed. It was uh, it was the third of November. How she, many years has she been dead? Thirtieth November, I think nineteen fifty seven. But the reason this is also on my mind, I think I told you because my dog recently went for surgery, so I have dogs on my oh, mind. Oh yeah. So I started to, I don't know. I just started to Google a lot of things, and then, and I realized it was like a, a death anniversary, and then I read this, and I felt very sad. Oh, I thought no. like this is also a very interesting uh science little tidbit that I thought I could share, lah. Huh? Mm. So Laika is the. Is literally the Soviet space dog, okay, and she's one of the first animals who actually um, had to got the opportunity to orbit in space. I say opportunity, like she wanted yeah, to, like, like, <laughs> like, oh, like the dogs she, were just lining she, up. They were joining the ballot. Girl, she had no choice, <laughs> la. She 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 literally had no choice. But you know, even though it's been like what six sixty, I don't know, maybe about sixty years, or maybe less than that. But but she's remained quite an 
enduring part lah in 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 science and space history right. because of because of her her story lah. Wait, first so, of all, what kind of dog was she? Uh she was a a, a mix between a Spitz and a Terrier. If okay. I'm not wrong, okay. if I'm not wrong, yeah. So quite cute lah. Mm, cute, cute. So mm. anyway, this happened like in the height of the. Of the space race in the 1950s, right? And we all know it's a competition between two Cold War countries, basically US and uh, Soviet Union. Mm. Basically, like now, lah. Uh, like now, like now. <laughs> God, things really repeat. Nothing up. has changed. Nothing yeah. has changed. So they wanted to see who had superior uh, space space flight capabilities, I mm. guess. Yeah. So then, so what had happened was that earlier in the year 1957, Sputnik One. Sputnik 1 was the first artificial satellite that Russia sent uh, that Soviet Union rather sent up into space and go like wow look at us mm. we did it we did it uh, Soviet Union was like well since we did Sputnik 1 let's also do a Sputnik 2 this time let's put an animal inside I love that yeah. <laughs> it's like that millennial trend from the early 2000s put a bird on it yeah <laughs> <laughs> like space but put a dog in it yeah ex- exactly that so they wanted to do the whole thing again set up another satellite but this time put in an animal and they decided on a dog and that they, they, did, they wanted to put animal because they wanted to see whether a living thing could survive and orbit in space sure the, yeah the reason they decided on a dog and not oh. like chimps which we sometimes think about right it's actually also quite grim lah oh, it's because no. of Pavlov <laughs> Oh yeah, who did uh, who did uh, experiments on conditioned reflex with the bell? I'm sure many many yeah, of us yeah, are familiar yeah. with the bell and the food, the salivating thing. Yeah, also very very, very cruel yeah, very experiments. Cruel, very cruel. So they basically got uh, because Pavlov had had uh, done a lot of work with dogs, so they basically kind of knew dog biology a little bit more and and all of these things. So I thought like, hey, let's just make a dog lah. We already got one sensei learn a lot about dogs, so let's just read his books and figure out what we can do from there. Sounds grim already. It's very grim. <laughs> so what they did was that. They literally walked the streets of Russia and picked up strays. No! Because they thought that... And you know what? I think this was a bit sensible in Soviet Russia, 1950s. They thought that stray dogs in Russia, uh, in Soviet in Soviet Union, uh, were actually very hardy. Ah, uh, yeah lah, okay. Very hardy. Yeah, yeah. So if they, were su- if they looked healthy, but they were stray, probably got very good genes, probably good survivability lah. So eventually, from these strays, they trained three dogs, and one of them uh, being like a... Training us is... No joke eh. Ima- imagine doing this to, to three lovely stray dogs. Huh? To adapt the dogs to the confines of the tiny cabin uh, that was going to be Sputnik 2, they were kept in progressively smaller cages for periods of up to 20 days. Oh, fuck's sake. The, the close confinement caused them to stop urinating, stop defecating. Basically, what? they were stressed, they were restless, and their co- general conditions started to deteriorate. Yeah. Until finally, they just adapted. They just adapted, yeah. And then they got used to it. So they went through a period of adaptation and then they just got used to it. But can you imagine the hell that the dogs were, were, were put through? Intense, right? Yeah. Haven't finished eh. Oh no. The dogs were then placed in centrifuges. What? To, to, <laughs> to simulate... Spin around... Oh yeah, my god. To simulate the acceleration... Zero G. Yeah, to, uh, yeah, multiple Gs. Oh, actually, yeah, to, yeah. to simulate the acceleration of rocket launchers and, and place in machine that simulated the noises of the spacecraft to make them get acclimatized oh to it. Because if not, they'd be very scared. This... Do, going to the centrifuges and being in these machines that all hold this noise right, caused their pulse rate to double, their blood pressure to also increase dramatically until they were... Until they were just used to it. Lah. And they were also given... I mean, it says here they were given special high-nutrition gel, but girl, Soviet Union high-nutrition gel is like Soylent Green. Lah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably other dogs. <laughs> That's where I went to. <laughs> it's probably 
other dongs. Yeah. And so the time came for them to actually make their decision, right? Because they had three dogs. And poor Laika was the one that was chosen. Why? Because one other dog was set to be control, so stay on Earth. Okay. Every good science experiment you know, control. control. Yeah. The other dog became pregnant. So they, they didn't realize it at the time, but the dog was actually pregnant. Who was the f- one the, the sec- control dog? No, 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 control dog. There were three dogs, right? So one was control, then ah. it was between the other two that was going to go into space. One of them got pregnant, then Laika was. Wait, but who impregnated that dog? No, uh, the, the dog was just so pregnant. Are you telling me this when poor the, pregnant <laughs> dog was put in a centrifuge with a baby in. It, oh my god. It doesn't say, but that's what it seems to imply. La. Jesus. Yeah, but the dogs turned out to be fine because she was pregnant, she gave birth to puppies, she was off the hook. La. And then most puppies can fly, right? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> like flying puppies. Huh? So poor Laika was eventually sent and. Just like what you would think of someone on death row, you know, you give them like final oh, meal, right? No. Before the launch, or before the launch, like uh, one of the mission scientists actually took Laika to his home to play with children because that was the last time Laika was going to be on Earth because they didn't expect Laika to come back alive from this. Oh. They, they were never expecting to. La. Which is uh, quite jialat. So on the day of launch, okay, the mission scientist placed her in the container of Sputnik 2 and before closing the hatch, they kissed her nose and they wished wished her bon voyage, knowing full well that she was not oh, going the to come back. Fuckers, knowing full well, ah, uh, not gonna come back. So because b- prior to all of this, uh, Laika actually went to an operation to put a lot of sensors into her because they wanted. Remember, the the aim of this experiment was to see whether oh, a living thing could survive, right? Science, yeah. Yeah. So they put a lot of sensors into the measure heart rate to measure all sorts of things. So. During launch, during peak acceleration, they had all of this data, which I, w- I will tell you the data, but the Soviet Union didn't let this data, didn't release this data until 2002 because it showed that she went through extreme amounts of stress, she was frightened, and she probably uh, died seven hours into flight. Yeah, so, so it was quite stressful. Oh they my they God. actually lied to uh, the general public saying that, oh, like us up in space six or seven days, and that uh, she was. Uh, Asphyxiated to death Basically she ran out of oxygen Which was a, a more peaceful way To go than what she actually went through lah. So they lied to the Basically public, she like Died of stress She died from Overheating The refrigeration didn't work The air conditioning didn't Are work Are you fucking kidding? Yeah So uh, at peak acceleration <laughs> Let me just tell you What they, what they got lah. Like us respiration increased Three or four times During pre-launch Sensors showed that her heart rate was 103 beats per minute. Uh, it was actually 103 and then it went up to 240 because she was scared. Uh, yeah. Uh, and everything happened very fine. No, uh, everything happened fine until something from the spacecraft didn't dislodge. And then the air conditioning stopped working. So the cabin temperature slowly rose up until it was very hot. And because there was very little space for her to maneuver, she was kind of trapped also. So she... They, pre- they guessed that she died probably from heat exhaustion. Oh, poor yeah, thing. Yeah, after five to seven hours because they didn't get any more readings uh, from her anymore. Five to seven hours. Yep. Then oh my God. And they just lied about it for like decades after that. They lied about it. And I, I believe that the data only uh, was released in 2002 and that's how people know it. Oh, that. rest yeah. in peace, like. I mean, uh, na- na- I, I don't know if this is any any sort of grace, but... 
they've now erected a statue of her on a on a on a rocket and like she's on stamps. No, fuck that. <laughs> they should never have shot her into space in the first place. They should never have shot. So do you know that Russia have uh, shot like 71 dogs into space during the space race? Did age? they all survive? 17 died. <sighs> and I'm sorry, la, if you're shot into space, la, the way you die uh, is probably horrific one. La. Yeah, it's like you're basically microwaved to death. La. That or radiated to yeah. death or run out of food and or no oxygen. It's horrible. La. But my question is like, what? In the end, when they sent humans to space, right? Like, mm. did they actually learn anything from these horrific experiments? They did learn. They so must have because, the, like, the takeaway from this was that something actually could survive in space because it was the, it was not it was one of the first few times an animal actually orbited, orbited. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, so wh- which was the first like animal to f- orbit the Earth? I believe it was another dog, also done by also done by Russia, but it wasn't and a full orb. It wasn't a a full orbit. It was just sent up to near orbit and then came back down. If I if I remember and did correctly, the, did that dog survived. That dog survived. Yes, that oh. dog survived. And that dog, I believe, had puppies. And one of the puppies was given after the after the space race ended or towards the end of space race was given to the US president. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, that's so horrible. It's horrible. I mean, like, she went through a lot. But I, I don't know. I, like the reason I knew that this was a death anniversary was in the Google has that Moodle thing that they uh, do. Yeah. So they still honor her lah. Like uh, at, on the third of November. It's just like the incredible depths of human cruelty are like I cannot. Yeah. Like, our animal friends really suffer a lot. Our animal friends suffer so much like at our hands, you know. And yeah. like you know, I mean like just to link back a little bit to our like heated convo on the environment just now. Actually, it's like. <laughs> We are destroying the earth for all living things on this planet. Including ourselves. Including ourselves. But like, I just think about how, I mean, all these like dramatic human events like war, for example, actually right. like affect animals as well. But like, we never factor them into like the, 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 the kind of like sum of suffering on the earth. Mm. You know? Absolutely. Like one statistic, I mean, one fact that I, I read recently, which kind of really upset me was that um, the noise floor of the earth is getting softer and softer because more insects and birds are going extinct. And so like, <laughs> you know, like the ambient noise of the world that is created by all of these small creatures is like getting softer and softer because oh God, the world is the world literally is, getting silent. Yeah. You know, whimper not a bang. Literally. It's just it's just fucking awful. Oh, that's actually really heartbreaking to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like rest oh, in well. peace, like uh, Yeah, rest in peace. Like yeah. and I I know it's very grim, but I always think like knowing these things are su- it's just super important yeah. to know how we got to where we are and to know not to do this sort of sh- sort of awful things uh, again. Do we know? I mean, okay, just the other day, like a vegan friend of mine, Jess, um, from Australia, was telling ah. me that like she doesn't eat um impossible meat. Because, <laughs> because like the producers of Impossible Meat apparently experiment on animals. Did they? <laughs> yeah. Oh my so god. So it's like Beyond Meat apparently does not, and Impossible Meat um does. Oh. Like I, I'm not 100 percent on the facts of this. Also, oh, one like, of them do one they don't like. Yeah. So oh, like the the, the 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 you know or like uh, okay like don't quote me on this, but one of the vegan like one of the vegan meat products experimented is on. made through animal testing which is just like oh. is that does that make it not vegan anymore I guess so that um, is intriguing oh <laughs> yeah. my god but I guess I have to double check that before I boycott impossible sure meat sure maybe mm. don't have you ever tried impossible meat I have I actually really enjoy um, actually I enjoy beyond meat more than impossible does it yeah. taste okay I haven't and the only reason I haven't is because I'm so scared that it actually tastes like tastes beef, like beef yeah, because yeah. I, I think I will throw up because yeah. I've grown up not eating it's no longer yeah, a religious yeah. thing it's just that I find it uncomfortable 
It's because um, it, I think it's impossible to meet that contains heme, which is the kind of chemical compound that uh, has a kind of blood-like taste. Yeah. Um, which they extract from, I think, beetroots and other kinds of vegetables. Yeah, so plants, actually yeah. it was heme that they tested on, I think, mice to make sure that it wasn't toxic um, oh. before they, they put it into like... Okay. Um, into but does it taste like beef? It, it actually does have a kind of like meatiness to it. Yeah. I don't know that it has a beefiness, but it definitely tastes like meat. Yeah. Right. Mm. I will probably bite the bullet huh? one day and try. Mm. La. Mm. Okay. Anyway, uh, let's return this to um, rest in power. Rest in power, like uh, rest in power, like all uh, other animals who have been like experimented on for yeah. um, human gain. Yeah. Wolf, 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 wolf. Squeak, squeak. Chip, chip. Meow, meow. Alright, and on that grim note, we've come to grim. the end of yet another episode of T42. Yes, wow, episode 78. We're septuagenarians. Septuagenarians. Septuagenaric. Anyway, as we've come to the end of this episode, just a quick little reminder um, to go and like us and rate us on Spotify if you Correct. haven't already done so. Give us as many stars as you deem fit. Please, mm. please. You can also do so on Apple Podcasts. Ah, correct. Just keep rating us. La. Yeah, la, we, want, we want to be Singapore's number one most rated podcast. Is that what that is? No, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> Also, don't forget to uh, like uh, keep the nineteenth of November free yes. for a party called Intervention come for party. all you dirty little queers out yes, there. Come party mm. with us! And uh, to our five foreign listeners, oh. uh, you know we had that little kind of like competition last yeah. week. We haven't we forgotten about to you. A little call to action. We're yes. in the midst and of yeah. You we, really thank responded. you so much, all of you who responded. Yeah, we haven't forgotten you. We'll be in touch. We'll be with, in touch with follow up homework mm. <laughs> for future with, episodes. Correct with the results. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Correct. Mm. Well, thank you, dear listeners, for listening. Until next time, this has been Joel. And this is Kishan. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hey, bro, how are you doing today, man? Hey, bro, what's up? Hey, what's up? What's hey, stress, yeah. Hey, stress, ah. Lama, I tell you, work, ah. Lama, bro, cannot, ah. Hey, go siam tiu, ah. Siam tiu, ah. You want, ah? Go let loose a bit, ah. When you free, bro? Hey, I think Saturday, ah. Hey, no, cannot, cannot. Saturday, Saturday my, cannot, no, Saturday, my wife want to go and watch the Ajuma. Wow, oh, oh, she wanted you to go see Ajuma. Hey, hey, nice, watch, eh, not bad, not watch bad. Watch something better, lah, bro. What, like what? I don't know, lah. Got, got, got this Marvel comics, all they go and watch, ah. Got Wakanda, all they go and watch, ah. Oh, I cannot maintain that. <laughs> <laughs>